Welcome to the Life Creation Podcast. I'm your host, Andrina Tisi. Together, we will explore thoughts, inspirations, and conversations that feed our soul, spark the mind, and nourish the body. Thank you so much for being here to learn and grow and for walking this journey called life with me. So good that you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're coming back to the show or it's your first time, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to share a conversation today with you that I had with Tamara Tiana on sacred femininity and womb healing. When Tamara's father died, the grief of losing him combined with the isolation of postpartum brought her to her knees. In our conversation, she shares how it was there that she found the ground of who she truly is. She was able to rise from her knees with renewed and intimate knowing of her purpose and her power. This experience brought her so deep into herself and she came face to face with all aspects of herself and the sacred feminine. Tamara lives on magical Vancouver Island, surrounded by breathtaking forests and the wild ocean. She and I met during our prenatal yoga teacher training in Vancouver, and we joined back up in Rishikesh, India for our Kundalini teacher training with Gurmukh. Tamara is the founder of The Spiral Path, a yogini and a mother. She specializes in helping women connect with the wisdom of their womb, help them move from self-doubt, self-hatred and self-deprivation to women of power, purpose and pleasure. This episode is not only for women. Tamara also shares how this work has changed and uplifted her marriage. So stay on and get inspired. Hi, Tamara. So good to have you on my podcast. Oh, I'm so excited and so happy to see you, Andrina. I know. We just, before I hit record, figured it's been, what did you say, six years? Six years. Since, since India, yeah. yeah. Since India. Wow. Time flies. Yep. So with every guest, I start with five this or that questions. So you can completely answer spontaneously out of your belly. Wonderful. I'm excited. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Cats. You're fast. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> Appetizer or desserts? Both. Sure. <laughs> Book or movie? Book. Roses or sunflowers? Roses. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's dive right in. I'm really excited to get all the juicy bits that you that you have to share with us. So much so, juice. <laughs> I know. So very often, you know, our rock bottom can also be a place where we find, refine or redefine ourselves. And you have also experienced that. How did you reconnect to the power within you when you thought you had none left 
<clears throat> this is a good question and I really love it. And um, yeah, it still feels a little tender for me because this month will be the, the month where my father passed. Mm -hmm. So I think that for me, rock bottom, <clears throat> I was really lucky because I have researched and taught courses on emotions. So I had this intellectual understanding of what grief wanted me to do. Um, so that when I was in the grocery store having panic attacks, I understood what that was about, that my grief was like, no, you need to pay attention to me. And so when I finally was able to do that, which took about a year, my experience was like, the life force was gone. I was on my knees at the river of all souls, is what it felt like. And that place that grief takes you where there's nothing, there's no life, you're just lethargic. It's sort of this place where you have to surrender. You need to let go. Of, and for me, I had to let go of everything I thought I knew, like that my practice could support me through it. It couldn't my yoga or meditation practice. Um, and all of that was painful on top of the grief, but it really cleared my plate, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like I was nothing. And from that place where my go-to practices were no longer helpful, I heard this voice, this calling from deep inside of me that I probably wouldn't have heard if I were chanting or um, doing meditation or yoga to try and feel better. So what happened was I had this experience of being so deeply in my body, more in my body than I'd ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. and because I was so in my body, so present, I was able to hear the voice of my womb and I wouldn't have been able to say that at the time, but looking back, I can see that's what it was, was sort of my womb calling to me. And then, yeah, there was no looking back after that. <laughs> so in that experience of having to let go of everything, I thought I knew. I was really given a gift that I wouldn't have been able to find through what I was already doing. Yes, wow. And hearing your womb, can you explain what she taught you? <laughs> yeah, well, she's still teaching me plenty. Absolutely. <laughs> Every day, probably, hopefully. Uh, yeah. So what it was at first was just this, um, in that, like, despondent, depressed state. Um, whenever I tried to sit and meditate, it was this feeling of going in and down, just being pulled, this descending energy pulling me in and down. And at first she wouldn't speak to me because I wasn't like cognizant, but I was guided to buy certain books and start to practice certain practices. And then, um, then I was able to really awaken her voice and hear it. 
And what does she say? Well, her, her voice is a different signature than the voice of the mind or the voice of the heart. Yes. <laughs> it's very just nurturing and sweet and like this ancient grandmother wisdom. <laughs> and is that connection sacred femininity for you? Part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's part of it. It's a big part. It's a gateway. <laughs> What else is sacred femininity for you? And how does it feel? Well, I think like feeling connected to and listening to being guided by the voice of my womb is just one facet mm -hmm. of, a, of a, that's a result of this lifestyle where I'm daily consciously relating to myself as a person who's cyclical, meaning mm -hmm. every day I'm aware of where I am in my cycle, what that means, what the tasks are, how to take care of myself, um, plus other rituals and practices that awaken what feels like my body being a divine altar. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and very specifically the womb and the yoni and it feels like ease uh, unshakable confidence delight pleasure yeah it's beautiful yeah it sounds beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and how has or has your your cycle changed since mm -hmm that experience good question so honestly the reason I started paying attention to my cycle every day was because my cycles were getting really short mm -hmm. and intuitively I had this feeling like I must be getting my bleed often because I need to rest more you know meanwhile I'm yes. a mm -hmm. mother of a toddler <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um <laughs> But then paying attention to my cycle made my, first of all, it made my cycle longer and it, it got rid of intense cramping. Mm -hmm, beautiful. It got rid of, um, I don't want to say it got rid of, what it did was it helped me understand myself so I could stop dismissing what arose and instead work with it and understand that what comes up is supposed to come up right now. How do I work with it? How is this um, showing me my life's purpose? How is this showing me where my boundaries are crossed? How is this showing me, um, you know, how to take risks in this moment? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And has, and you know, just answer as much or as little as you're comfortable, but has, Your intimacy and your relationship changed through all of oh, that. Yeah. I mean, I've been married to the same man for 18 years and I'm young. <laughs> you are. And, I remember him from India. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really blessed because he is uh, very supportive. When I started asking, like, one of the main things you can do is when you're bleeding is to rest more. And when I acknowledged that and learned that and I asked him for what I needed, he was really receptive. Awesome. And 
it was awesome. And I was surprised. I was really scared to ask for that. And I think a lot of women are just afraid to ask for what they want. And he was receptive. And so that brought us closer together. Um, I felt cared for, like he's, he's willing to take care of me this way. And also just my own journey going deeper into the feminine mysteries. Um, like our whole sex life is changing because I'm practicing uh, beautiful practices that change the way I want to have sex with a person. Well, and, probably the relationship, your relationship to your own body, and therefore that obviously changes how you relate to, you know, your husband in your case, right? Yeah, and there's, um, yeah, like when you start really worshiping your own yoni and treating it like it's an altar, then suddenly you're not gonna, you're gonna want different things. You're gonna, your partner will automatically start to also treat your yoni as an altar as well. Um, you're just paying more attention, more aware. And with that awareness, you get to make different choices that are life-giving and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just what you touched on, I think it's, it's, um, yeah, it's important because I think there's so much shame and maybe even guilt around our yoni and our womb, right? Um, and the journey in terms of, you know, connecting to that wisdom is also not, um, I mean, it sounds beautiful in terms of what you do. Of course, you had like a really intense experience. But I could also imagine, I mean, there's also a lot of um, vulnerability, of course, involved, right? Because I think there is, um, for so many women, there is a lot of shame. Of course, yeah. And that's what I'm really passionate about helping women release uh, is the shame that we hold around our blood yes. and the shame that we hold around pleasure. And it's not our fault. This is just the result of thousands of years of conditioning. Um, that doesn't take too long to dismantle actually, because <laughs> it's that's our birthright. Good. It's our true nature. So um, yes, some people have more trauma and more pain than others. Absolutely. Um, but really, that's part of us. The yoni, the womb wants, is like the sacred feminine wants attention, wants to be worshipped, wants to be spoken to and greeted with love. And then it doesn't take much more than that to, I can't forget what, how we started this. <laughs> That's good. We, we just keep going. That's totally fine. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I like going back a little bit to the topic of the womb and just the other day, what I've learned, which was I was um, listening into um, an audiobook, um, and it's about inherited trauma. Mm -hmm. And you know, what he says, uh, Mark Wallin, and he says is that, you know, our grandmother, and I have to make sure I'm getting this right, when 
Like when my, my grandmother was pregnant with my mom at five months, the egg that I'm right now was already present. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> right. So it's also so that's, you know, the connection in terms of the inherited trauma. So obviously, whatever my grandmother was going through, that's kind of in me, too. Right. Oh, it sure is. Yeah. So I think in a way there is a lot of healing potential, but there is also a lot of wisdom, you know, in, yeah. in terms of going to that ancestry mother line, right? So um, do you, when you work with women or maybe even with your, you know, own journey, what's your experience in terms of, you know, that ancestry line in terms of, our mother line? Well, <clears throat> I've done some work with a shamaness who cleared some stuff from my own womb, definitely generational, definitely was carrying beliefs about my body and sexuality that were my great grandmothers, in fact. Mm-hmm. And it, it brought so much depth to this, like, um, phrase that I think we often use in healing is like, that's not yours. That's Mm -hmm. not yours. You're carrying it and it's not yours. The other thing, this is part of the like amazing yogic science and um, yogic science from a feminist perspective is that when we heal our own womb space and our own relationship with our own erotic energy, women's healing works in a spiral. So everyone's everyone's saying right now, healing's not linear. Well, no, it's not linear. It's a spiral. So not only is it a spiral, it's like the double helix. So if I'm here in the middle and I'm doing my own work to heal my relationship with my womb, my the seat of my power, the part of my body that makes me a woman that I'm disconnected from, that my culture tells me is wrong or dirty, or dismisses, tells me it's not okay for me to claim my own pleasure. So this part of my body, if I heal my relationship with it, I'm doing that for myself, which is super. (laughs) (laughs) But I also heal back in time in the spiral and forward in time in another spiral for my ancestry, my lineage, but also for myself. So what I mean by that is, you know, as a grown woman, Um, I'm healing my relationship with menstruation and I'm also, because I'm doing that, I'm also healing the young woman who had her first period. No one talked about what was happening and the shame that she carried. I get to heal that, that like inner child. And then also I've already given birth and it was awesome, but because I'm doing this work now, I get to heal or arrive at the next gateway of perimenopause whole and healed. And I get to work through that beautiful portal of spiritual power from a totally different standpoint. It's fascinating. It's so, it really is. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And it also makes me think like, I think it goes back and I'm going to come back to the spiral, but you know, in terms of going back in our lineage and going forward in our lineage. And 
I also have a feeling it's going sideways in terms of our community, our our oh, circle. Yeah. And you know, we it's known that you know the the menstrual cycles of female sports team roommates and best friends <laughs> very much in sync, right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about you know the power of that sisterhood and of um, women's circles? And you know, you mentioned you know, to rest when we have our period. And, you know, I always have to think of the red tent. You know, that's what's yeah. the red tent, right? Totally. And it's interesting because just um, a little while ago, I had also a um, podcast interview about archetypes. And we also talked about that, female mm -hmm. archetypes. And I, I'll link it in the show notes again. But um, yes, anyway, talk to us about, you know, the power of sisterhood, women's circle, and all of that. <laughs> totally. Um, I am excited to talk about that. And I just want to go back to your last question super quick. Sure. This is coming through really strong that like, those are sort of the spiritual esoteric benefits. And also there's really practical benefits that I'm experiencing that my clients experience that if I heal my relationship with my menstruation and, um, then it helps my mother heal her relationship with perimenopause just by listening to me talk about my body in a woman positive way. Beautiful. And then if I had a daughter or one day I have a daughter-in-law um, or if you have a daughter, then the way you're treating your body is going to, she's going to see that happening. Absolutely. So yeah, it just, you're right. And then it goes out into the community and it has this beautiful, ripple effect because we're just walking differently and talking differently and <clears throat> feeling a sense of rightness about who we are. And then, yeah, well, we've all experienced that where like our, our cycles sink. And in India, didn't it, um, wasn't there this really remarkable phenomenon that we were told about that when women go to India, they get, they often get, um, more periods than usual. <laughs> totally. Did that happen for you? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I remember because I had a really embarrassing moment. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, so the reason for that is pheromones. Mm -hmm. That um, when you hang out a lot with the same group of women, your pheromones are like speaking to each other and then we end up syncing our cycles. And there is significant meaning to that because you're right we used to and in some cultures that are very woman friendly women were recognized that at this time in the cycle um you don't rest because you're weak you rest because something really big and important is happening internally and all of a woman's energy needs to be focused inward so that they can access the insight that's relevant and important for the woman, but also the community. So women in some cultures and in ancient cultures certainly would go and bleed together. And this, uh, um, this gathering and being together amplifies what's happening for each woman. Mm -hmm. So the power of sisterhood is like this magic that when we gather our strengths and our visions and our intuition um, and our sense of knowing, it's all kind of amplified. Um, 
So especially if we're bleeding, which is a very spiritually powerful time for a woman, imagine a group of women all bleeding together, visioning altered states of consciousness and receiving really valuable information. Um, we don't do that anymore, although I have dreams of like creating spaces for that. But if you have an opportunity to simply go to a women's circle, you're going to feel the same thing. You'll sit down and, and something inside of you shifts. Something inside of you can feel the power of just before anything even begins, just sitting down and looking around at this circle of women. And I notice this happens virtually too. It's really powerful stuff. Um, and I think one of the biggest takeaways around women and sisterhood <clears throat> is that we're in a new era where we really have to actively support and exalt each other um, and really look for and see the power and gifts and medicine that lives in our sisters. And one way we can do that is when we sit in circle and we listen to our sisters speak. Um, I'm always struck with a, a particular person's beauty or a clarity of uh, thought or a wisdom that seems to come from somewhere really deep. Um, and I'm seeing this in my sisters and really what I'm seeing and really what you're seeing is your own strength reflected back. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a powerful force when women gather. <laughs> yeah, and I do think it's beautiful that I think over the last few years that has really resurfaced a lot, right? And I think um, it's very powerful because I think there can be a lot of healing that can happen in circles like that, right? Yeah, spontaneous healing. I have women come and they don't even say anything. And later will reach out to me and say, they have, you know, healed healing moments, just being in a circle of women. Yeah. And, you know, you've touched on as well, you know, the cyclical living, living. And, you know, of course, um, you know, when we look at, at our cycle, of course, that's um, kind of obvious. Um, but there's so much more, you know, in terms of cyclical living. And I also know that you're also very connected to nature, you live in the, one of the most beautiful places. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what can we learn or what have you also through your journey learned from nature and being connected to nature? Um, well, nature is always teaching me. And for me specifically, I mean, you're right. I live in a really beautiful part of the world and there's oceans and mountains and ancient forests. And what I am drawn to, what I gravitate to is the forest and the earth, like gardening, tending to the earth. Beautiful. Um, and what does it teach me? Well, the earth is 
our mother is Gaia. She's like the ultimate feminine force and energy. And what she teaches me is about the energy of the sacred feminine. It's not, I mean, it's many things, it's multi-layered. Um, but part of the sacred feminine is this dark feminine. It's not bad, it's not shadow, it's just the dark feminine. Mm -hmm. And if you think about your garden, it sort of holds that energy so well and explains it so well. So if, if you are planting a garden and planting seeds in the earth, what qualities does that earth need to have for the seed to flourish? The earth needs to be dark and moist and uh, soft. <laughs> And it needs to be tended to. I mean, if it's not tended to, the seed might grow, it might do okay. But if the seed is tended to, it flourishes. Um, and that that energy of the earth is so similar to the energy of the yoni. This like receptivity of the feminine of being able to sort of lay back and allow life to come to you, this pulling in. Um, and that the transformation of gardening and through the seasons, there's something sort of like uncomfortable about it. Like if you think about the earth again, all the worms and insects mm -hmm. and the darkness and the cold, like I'm so comfortable with that. <laughs> I wanna normalize that as part of the process. And there's so much beauty and like fecundity in that. So that's what I get from the earth, you know, normal everyday stuff. <laughs> well, and it also brings me to kind of a next question, and I think it has to do with everything we already spoke about, but, you know, you know, even gardening is a ritual, right? Like, you know, you yeah. mentioned meditation or, or, you know, yoga and all that, and you mentioned how, um, you know, movement and all that is supporting you, but there was also a time where you had to let go of everything that you knew. Yeah. So how can though, you know, rituals, food, like movement, dancing, whatever it may be, even mudras and mantras, if it's right, how, you know, can they support us? And, you know, we, we did, you know, meet during Kundalini training. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have kind of <laughs> the same hours, um, yeah, same love for that practice. Mm -hmm. But for you, you know, there's much more than just a Kundalini practice, of course, but all of those rituals, how can they support us? Well, um, I'd love to just say and share that before this grief moment occurred for me, I was so disciplined and dedicated to my practice as a Kundalini yogini. And there was also a part of me that was wondering if I should be doing the same thing the same way every single day. Um, so I have a different relationship now with yoga and meditation that I feel like just helps me embody this, this sense of allowing, allowing myself to be how I am, who I am that day while still bringing sacredness and ritual into my daily life and how these different things support well certainly food as a woman you know during our monthly cycle different things are happening physiologically 
And the main thing <laughs> for most of us is that we bleed. And so we can eat foods through each phase of the cycle that really support what's happening physiologically so that we're less likely to feel depleted or burnout or less likely to have like really insane sugar cravings or um, less likely to overeat. But we're just eating in a way that's different from week to week, which is not the linear um, model of yoga we're used to or wellness we're used to. Um, but that is really life giving. And I've noticed huge results just eating, a, like making small changes. So that's cool. Um, certainly dancing helps to release stagnant emotion. And um, it also just helps awaken your body to pleasure and enjoyment. And that is, I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Like that's our ticket. <laughs> that's what really the sacred feminine wants is to us, for us to really know our pleasure and be in pleasure. Um, rituals are healing. They bring significance to maybe things that have passed that we're still holding pain around and it can help us heal our relationship with different parts of ourselves or um, create closure or bring meaning to our everyday life where right now, especially maybe people are feeling like uh, disconnected from their life's purpose or meaning. And of course, meditations, mudra, mantra, these things are just, they allow concentrated energy <clears throat> to come and live through us. Mantra, I mean, I could talk, we could probably do a whole other podcast on just mantra and like <laughs> the fact that it, it literally changes your brain chemistry and affects all of your cells. So these, these tools are not meant to stop us from experiencing pain because that's part of life, I think. And I think it's an important part of life, but these tools are meant to keep us connected to our own divinity. In my life, they connect me to my womb and Yoni um, and they keep me connected to my own feelings of pleasure and ease. Love it. Um, <laughs> and it's so interesting what you say in terms of your practice. Like I noticed how, you know, I'm so much more soft in terms of my practice than I, than I used yeah. to, right? And I think that comes with experience and, you know, and, you know, grief and trauma and whatever else. <laughs> um, but I think also just, just life, right? And like that's... Yeah. Maturity. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and what's also interesting, you know, you mentioned that linear thing and that brings me back to the spiral. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you are the founder of the spiral path and you have a program called the spiral path experience and you know you mentioned the spiral before so is there <laughs> besides you know what you mentioned in terms of our ancestry line going back and down or you know in whichever direction has the spiral and or the path in symbolism like a meaning for you yeah, it holds tremendous meaning for me. Um, and there's a whole story there for me about how it, that came to be the name of my program. But the huge symbolism is that um, 
we live in a masculine, in a culture that glorifies and worships the masculine, which is linear, which is fine. The ma- like, I have no qualms with the masculine. Um, and as women, we're conditioned to think that we're supposed to thrive in that linear masculine environment, that we're supposed to fit into this linear model of life. And we're not. That's not our purpose. That's not our power. And then we end up thinking we're flawed because we're not thriving in this linear masculine atmosphere that asks us to be the same every day. Um, and a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends up that most women, if they're not experiencing it now, at some point at least, have experienced self-hatred, uh, self-deprecation, dismissing themselves, uh, feeling very disconnected from who they are. So the spiral path to me symbolizes a path in life that we're walking in conscious awareness. Um, And then on that path, we're honoring our true nature and that our true nature is cyclical. And on the path, we greet ourselves with love and we welcome ourselves back to a way of life that is spiraling and cyclical. um, And in that way, we reclaim some of the powers inherent in women's bodies. And we're returned to feelings of rightness. Amazing. (laughs) So if somebody wants to start on this path, Mm -hmm. what are like two to three things that they can start doing tomorrow. Yeah, and they're not big things. You know, the whole, what I love so much is that, again, the sacred feminine doesn't want to, like, it's not this big, complicated, one-hour-long practice. It can be. But three things that I recommend anyone can do right away that doesn't take too much time. The first and foremost I've already mentioned is to rest when you bleed. Rest when you're menstruating. Um, especially day one, day two, day three of your bleed, um, even if it's only 1% more than you're doing now. Um, and if you do that, in essence, you're, you're discontinuing this inheritance of overriding your body and your womb that we've got from our mothers and grandmothers but also it affects the rest of your cycle positively. Um, And the other thing that you can do is dance. Dance every day, put on like a playlist, dance to two or three songs, but dance for yourself. Dance in a way that feels good for you. Get out of the like masculine, uh, get out of the headspace like you're dancing because someone's watching you or a man is watching you dance for yourself and your own enjoyment. And then the third thing, if you're really curious about the womb and awakening her voice and reconnecting, is you can just place your hands over your lower belly. If you know Yoni Mudra, thumb tips touch and index fingers touch to create this triangle, then you can place that over your womb space. And just as simple as it sounds, say hello 
start a practice of just acknowledging that you have a womb and see what happens. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll, um, we'll add a um, link or a picture to the show notes with the, the mudra so people can see it. Um, and, you know, like mentioned, you have a program which, you know, you're pretty much holding space and guiding women to dive deeper even into this path. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? I can. Um, well, it's called the Spiral Path Program, and it's for women who are on a spiritual path, who have some kind of meditation or yoga or wellness or any kind of practice um, already and are feeling like there's something more. That was a big part of my experience. And I think a lot of women feel that way. They don't have words for it, but some part of them knows that there's something else and that none of their like yoga lineages are really touching on it if they're a yogini. Um, but it's for the woman who's just ready to really, like really, once and for all, stand on the ground of who she is, live a life of pleasure, know her purpose, um, and live from a place of power. So we do things, we create a daily practice, we support each other in a group, there's weekly check-ins, um, and the course is designed to, first of all, be introductory, and then we go deeper and deeper into the feminine mysteries. So we do things like practices that awaken the voice of your womb. And I help you to understand, <laughs> big question is, well, how do I know if it's the voice of my womb? <laughs> so we go into that and we explore that. And then, yeah, we have practices so that we're learning how to consciously relate to ourselves and our cyclical nature. We talk about the life cycles of women, menarche, menstruation, childbearing, um, lactation, return of menstruation, perimenopause, menopause. And we reframe these because really what these are, are spiritual gateways. And we live in a culture that's very dismissive of childbirth, of menopause, um, postpartum. And these things aren't talked about. And so talk about shame, talk about isolation. So we reframe these moments and learn the tasks of these moments to deepen our spiritual power. And I just wanna say that also we're learning about our bodies probably for the first time, <laughs> which is nuts to me, but the deeper meaning of these moments. And we talk about archetypes like the maiden, the mother, Mega and crone. And, um, we're going to go into female eroticism as a spiritual practice. So there's a jade egg practice um, and practices of just dropping into pleasure. It doesn't have to be sexual pleasure. It can be, but finding pleasure every day, all day long as this like transformative force, you know, casual everyday stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And we will, of course, link everything into the show notes so people can find out more, read more about it. And also, if they have questions, reach out to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, my dear, for sharing all that. <laughs> it's so good. And 
last but not least, you know, for all my guests, I always ask for a mantra or a quote that guides you in your life right now. And I call it the life creation mantra or quote, because we are on the life creation podcast. And what is that for you right now that gives you strength, inspiration, and kind of helps you to creatively connect all aspects of your life and who you are? Hmm. Well, um, thanks for asking me that. And uh, it's definitely a quote from my own womb space. (laughs) Where else would it come from? But it's basically the prayer for my life. My life's purpose is to live with pleasure and ease. So how can I experience more ease in this moment? How can I experience more pleasure in this moment? And that's what guides me in my work, um, in my choices, in my parenting, in my, you know, uh, as a wife, as a friend. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So good to have you. So good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> We're here over Zoom. So um, again, I will link everything into the show notes. And um, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your insights. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. <laughs> what amazing womenly wisdom Tamara shared with us. It was so nice to reconnect with her after so many years. So why not? Right now, place your hands over your womb and close your eyes. Find a deep breath and just connect to her and to you. Find softness in the touch. Feel comfort in the connection. And possibly feel the wisdom that lays deep within your womb. And just take another deep inhale through the nose. And then just release on the exhale. If you are interested in finding out more about Tamara, including her upcoming program, you will find all links in the show notes. Once again, thank you for tuning in and give the women and the men in your life the opportunity to learn more about sacred femininity by sharing this episode with them. I would also love for you to go over to iTunes and give the Life Creation Podcast a five-star rating and even possibly a stellar review. And you can do that very simply on your phone and just scroll all the way down and you'll find the spot where you can do that. If you have any wishes for guests and topics, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. 